0: You're now plugged into the Delphi podcast. Hey everyone, it's Tommy and welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm thrilled to have on Travis Kling, who is the founder of Ikigai. It's a popular fund that I think everybody in the world knows about at this point. I wanted to have Travis on because Binance has become sort of the main character in Crypto right now is one of the world's largest, or it is the world's largest exchange. Um, just looking at CoinGecko derivatives volumes, it's $23 billion in the last 24 hours, and their runner-up is Bybit at $6 billion in a bear market. Not bad. Um, but Travis has been uh, the most well-researched and in-depth uh, investigator of Binance. Um, he has some views on uh, what they're doing and what he thinks is going to happen to them. Uh, so with that, Travis, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Tommy. Thanks for having me. Good, good to talk
0: to you today. Yeah, man, it's been a it's been a long time. I don't actually remember the first time we met, but I know it was years ago.
1: Yeah, definitely. Either it's probably like summer
0: '18 ish, I would guess. A different world. A, a totally different world. <laughs> a few life, a few lifetimes ago. Yeah. Yeah, to say the least. Um, well, Travis, let's dive right into this. Give me a quick thirty seconds about you and the fund, and then I want to dive right into the combo.
1: Yeah, I mean, the short of it is, uh, been running an guy for the last five years, um, and we we got caught up in the in the FTX collapse in a in a major way. We had the large majority of our assets on the exchange at the time of collapse. Now we're the the 18th largest creditor. In the FTX bankruptcy. So, you know, that's been, you know, pretty, pretty choppy <laughs> last nine months or so. But, you know, I think we're going to make it out the, the other side of this thing and, and we're going to be fine. And in in the wake of the FTX collapse, and one of the core realizations I had as it relates to Binance as that was happening was that I, I just assumed that people in charge of the golden goose. Like when you are have a golden goose that just shits out money. When you have one of those that you don't risk it, you know, in these really wild manners that make no sense because you're making so much money completely legitimately. And you saw that with Sam and with FTX and with Alameda. And then I think you just naturally looked towards Binance and the relationship between Binance, between Cheng Ping and and Sam. And you look at BNB token, you look at BUSD, and you just look at a host of um, instances of lack of transparency over the years from Binance. And you just, you know, naturally in the shadows of the FTX collapse, look at Binance and go, what's the likelihood that something like that could also be going on at, at Binance? And In the the second week of December, one of my core conclusions that I came to very early on after experiencing the FTX collapse was that the bad guys were kicking the shit out of the good guys in crypto. And the good guys weren't doing enough to push back against that. And I think the good guys were also not being honest with themselves about the magnitude of the damage that bad actors have consistently been able to do. In this space, not just over the last 18 months, although you know it was it was just an incredible amount of the last 18 months, but also if you go back a decade and, and even longer, that's been the case. And so, a part of my one of my first resolutions on the back of of, of that was that if I'm going to stay in crypto, I have got to be louder. And I had done some of that in the past, but not nearly as much as uh, you know I, I now feel a really high level of conviction that I need to be doing. And so, I wrote this tweet thread in. The second week of December, that was the first time I, I called out uh, Binance and Changping and the risks that I thought were present there, you know, and then we can take this this story, you know, whatever direction you want to.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I first want to start with the FTX stuff, right? I mean, that was obviously a horrible event for a lot of people, right? Uh, you know, you, you particularly as well. And I think it obviously struck a lot of people, including myself, who I, you know, thought Um, Sam was a pretty smart guy before this all happened by surprise. I guess it really kind of hits home that it's really hard to, to just trust people at face value, given their public persona, given the calls, given what people have built. Right. And I think you're trying to look at the world through a similar lens of, you know, let's look beyond the people or the persona and let's try and take a look at what's actually going on because Hey, look, I've sort of been through this, through this before.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you need to be honest with yourself about assessing how good this ecosystem has has been at doing that over the last 18 months and like I said, over the last decade and longer. Just look at the body of evidence and say, are are we effectively doing that as an ecosystem, as an industry? And my answer is just, you know, unequivocally, no, no, we are failing at this. And so we've got to change, right? You can't just keep doing the same thing and expect different results. Like You you need to change. And the pain, the magnitude of the pain that I felt and a lot of other millions, millions and millions of people have felt over the last 18 months because of the damage that's been done in crypto, that needs to be used as a catalyst for change.
0: I'm with you. And, you know, it's sort of funny. It's like it goes against my own point here. But like when I think of Brian Armstrong at Coinbase, or like Paul, I have like really positive feelings about them, right? And I, I obviously can't point to like specific data. I could, I could point of the lack of data of them, you know, messing around, right? But it, it really is like it's a double standard by by my own means, right? And trusting them, but potentially not trusting someone like Sam. So it is, it does get a little dicey on on expectations. So let's dive into. The Binance thesis itself, like I know you have a lot of data. You posted a a picture on Twitter, like posting through all the things that have happened to Binance from December all the way through to September. And I mean, you have a lot here, right? Like you have going back to December, you have Binance's 10 billion of net withdrawals and the suspension of the spot BNB borrow. In February, you have the NYDFS investigation over Paxos. You know, in May, you have them exiting Canada. In June, you have the SEC lawsuits and some, you know, ceasing operations in various countries. In July, you have, uh, you know, moving seven and a half billion of BNB, and you have a couple of people quitting, like the general counsel, the chief strategy officer. Then in August, you have, you know, shutting down the payments business, the Mastercard partnership ending, and in September, you have the head of product quitting. So far, um, there's a lot more, a lot more bullets you have in there. My first question for you, Travis: How much of this is just a large high growth company that has issues like any other large high tech growth company versus, you know, these are issues that point to, you know, a fraudulent behavior or, or, you know, bad actions.
1: Yeah. So, you've got a CFTC complaint and you've got an SEC complaint. Those complaints are within the, the legal frameworks that have been established at those organizations. Right. And those, those government organizations either have jurisdiction over Binance or they don't and uh Binance either violated the regulations or they didn't right so then you go sort that out in court and then those are sort of one level of crime and then department of justice would or one level of violation and then criminal charges this would go through the DOJ and sometimes also incorporates other incorporates other organizations and in in the case of binance also you know likely requires uh, some amount of global uh, coordination amongst you know criminal enforcement agencies um, just because of the nature of of binance's business and so we know what the CFTC and the SEC complaints say you can read them and we're gonna go figure out whether or not that's true in court when when I read those then uh, it looks to me like they're they're likely very guilty of a number of the different allegations. Probably not all of them. Certainly, some of the security stuff is all that stuff still very much up in the air, right? But some of the other stuff, it looks like they just have very good evidence um, for that. And then there has not been a public DOJ case that's been um, you know publicly released. There's you know strong reason to believe that there's a, a DOJ case that's been filed under under SEAL, which is basically this kind of confidential, not yet public um, charges and that there's been back and forth, it's been going on. There's there's likely been some manner of back and forth going on between DOJ and Binance since uh, probably 2019. I I think you can go back and try and either, I think you can find from 2019 a a Bloomberg article or I think some traditional news article that that talked about some rumor of that kind of thing. So the, the the criminal charges, there's been a back and forth going on for years, and what what I think it looks like is that in the wake of the FTX collapse, that U.S. regulators changed their stance towards crypto. I think we can all agree on that. Um, and there's a, a body of evidence that sort of proves that to be the case. And And so the nature of the, um, negotiations that had been ongoing between, um, Ping and the Department of Justice, the nature of those changed, the seriousness of those changed. And then it seems like they found a bunch more evidence. It seems like, you know, I I don't know exactly when they got some of that evidence, but it it, kind of feels like that they've gotten a lot more evidence over the last nine months relative to the prior multiple years that they've been ongoing with this. And so everybody's kind of waiting with bated breath to see what these charges, you know, are going to be and kind of what the implications are going to be.
0: So Travis, what do you think is the most concrete or, you know, technically damning, you know, allegations that you've seen either from, and, and obviously like you don't have to keep this to the SEC or the CFTC or the, you know, the potential DOJ argument. I'm not sure if that's live or not, but- you know, whether within those filings or not within those filings, what is it to you that is the most, you know, the blaring red sign that there actually is something amiss here?
1: Well, I would invite everybody to read the SEC and the CFTC complaints. They're honestly entertaining. They're not that long. Um, and they're worth the read. Um, I mean, entertaining in like a, you know, sort of sort of dark way. But like, um, I mean, some of the highlights there... Um, 300 trading accounts controlled by cheng ping on binance.com you know what is he what is he doing with those 300 trading accounts uh one that matters for jurisdictional issues that is important is uh the relationship between the liquidity of the really all of the financial operations of binance us and binance.com it looks like there's a real clear picture that Binance us was really just this shell and the way that that you know all of the liquidity, all the money was sloshing back and forth. binance u s, you couldn't they don't they didn't have their own records. They can't produce records for the SEC. There's not there's not um, financial statements available for binance u s. And because of that, it, you know that gives you know a clear, I think, jurisdictional avenue for the SEC, the CFTC, and the DOJ. Although I think all three organizations could probably get to the jurisdictional aspect of Binance.com from other avenues as well, too, but that avenue is important. Uh, and then just a lot, a lot of evidence of um of the commingling of funds. Um, that it there's just not segregation of customer assets, Cheng Ping assets, trading fees, um, market maker tokens, uh, Binance Launchpad, like there's it really looks like it was a big, it's just a big slush fund back there, very similar to the way that it turned out FTX was. And I just think the the, the, the body of evidence between the CFTC and, the, and the, CF, the SEC and CFTC complaints and a few other articles that have been well-cited point to that being the case. And if that's the case, then in my view, the next logical question is, well then what's the likelihood that there is an, an asset liability mismatch between assets that customers would want to withdraw namely tether btc ETH, maybe some usdc those assets versus the assets that are sloshed around on the back end of this big commingled mess and is there more bnb than people want back there um is there double counting with Finance pegged BUSD or true USD, and I and I just think there's 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 just a incredible amount of smoke around there for there to not be any fire. And if it turns out that you know he's been buying BNB to prop up um, uh, the price so that it doesn't collapse and open up this hole, and he's been digging into customer deposits um, in order to do that, you know, it really is just kind of an FTX 2.0. Uh, reoccurrence, basically, like you're, you know, it could, it could look very similar at the end. As there's just an incredibly risky situation.
0: Yeah, I have a, I have a couple questions on that um, to get to after this, and I want to remain as neutral as, as possible to hear your side of the story. But the the other thing that I have a question for you on is like the DOJ side. It seemed a little odd to me. Like I, th- I think they had an announcement back at the beginning of August where I think it was like Coin Telegraph. Uh, published an article where they said the DOJ is concerned about a run on Binance
1: should prosecutors was,
0: bring fraud charges.
1: Yeah, that was, I think, Semaphore released that article.
0: Yeah, so why would, like, I, that's something I don't totally understand. Like, why would they be concerned about a run un, unless they had information? Because, like, if you have $100 worth of assets on an exchange, people withdraw 100 there's no issue, right? There's an issue when there's assets or tokens missing, or to your point, the tokens people want to withdraw missing. Why do you think the government would would say that? Or do you think they have information about that?
1: My knee jerk reaction when I saw that quote, and I know the exact quote you're talking about, my knee jerk reaction was that that didn't strike me as being like an accurate quote. So I just, that, yeah, that, that, and there's no way to really check that, right? Like, I don't know if that's, if that's going to be true or not, but, um, because the, I, I just think the, the body of evidence of the actions that you have taken by u.s regulators you know since kind of december that looks like to me that they're not really that concerned with that and i think you could actually make make an argument i mean I'll, actually i'll just leave it at that i was i was going to say you could make an argument that they're trying to do the opposite but i i don't think that's my base case so i'm 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 not going to say that but i i they don't seem to be super worried about causing a bank run so i'm just not sure about the accuracy of that quote
0: the other question is i know that the CFTC and SEC and obviously a potential DOJ is horrible like that actions you know they, they've been out there right the SEC has filed a case the CFTC has filed a case and obviously it's not great to have them file cases but we've also seen you know, those same agencies act, I'd say, pretty illogically in the market, right? Like take Grayscale for advan- you know, example, like there's no real reason for the SEC to block that conversion anymore, in my opinion. And it's it's hurting <laughs> investors. And, and as a disclosure, I hold some of those uh as well. But like we've seen them act illogical against smaller players, right? So right. do you think it's out of the realm of possibility to think that these agencies just straight up hate crypto and look, this is the biggest target. Let's just see what we can do. Like, does it have to be fraud or does it have to be missing tokens?
1: You you, you bring up a great point. Um, the CFTC and SEC allegations in a vacuum are really not that interesting to this story. And maybe I should have included this in my prior answer about the most damning stuff. I really should have. Um What makes those to me so crucial is they point to a lot of KYC, AML, OFAC, Bank Secrecy Act type of violation stuff that the the DOJ just takes that stuff super seriously. And, um, you know, this is not running an unregistered commodities exchange, you know, like, like, like we're talking about terrorism financing type of stuff. And I think you just look at how the United States has acted towards that kind of stuff historically, and they, they take it as serious as they take anything. And so it's, it's really the amount of evidence of like, what would the DOJ, when looking at the CFTC and the SEC complaints and a few of these, these other well-cited articles that have been released by, you know, major news organizations over the last nine months, you go, what would the DOJ have Binance dead to rights on? OFAC violations, terrorism financing, egregious, fraudulent KYC AML
0: type of stuff. It looks like all of that is like guilty as charged. So when you bring up OFAC violations, when you bring up potential KYC violations, that's you know, not knowing where customers, their, you know, their real identities, their real locations, things like that when they try and right. log on to the exchange. For those who who haven't yet or never used Binance, that's outside of your concerns about a liability mismeasure hole. Those are things that are more serious, like government level violations, I think.
1: Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, Yeah. That's a different type of thing. Um, I think of the regulatory pressures that have been put on Binance as acting as a catalyst to expose to the extent that there is a hole in the balance sheet it is these pressures that will likely cause a series of events to occur where that would come to light
0: got it so the the main pushback in my mind i'd probably offer travis is like it's really hard for me to understand you know why cz would would act um you know, maliciously or fraudulent with funds, right? I mean, this is a guy running the largest exchange of crypto on earth for the longest amount of time. He's clearly extremely, extremely wealthy. I have no idea how much, but, uh, you know, way more than I think people imagine. Like, why would he ever, like, steal funds? Why would he ever try and skim? Like, it just doesn't, like, that part just doesn't add up to me, you know?
1: So I think there's a short answer and a long answer. The short answer is when I saw Sam do it, I looked at Chengping Zhao and I said, if Sam did it, this guy, you cannot have a high degree of confidence. He would not do it. You can you cannot. In my view, that's just my take. That's, I would say that's the short answer.
0: I'm curious the long answer. <laughs>
1: yeah. the, the, the long answer is like a, a multi-part. How did the whole open up? You know, You know, I think... In terms of trying to gauge CZ's personal wealth, one I think there's just a lot of uh, obfuscation around that. There's a lot of obfuscation around that, and how much of that, like, what is the liquidity characteristics of that aggregate net worth? How much of that is cold hard stables, you know, on a cold wallet? How much of that is BNB token? How much of that is you know, equity ownership in Binance and other different entities, how many, how much of that is a bunch of other tokens or VC investments in a bunch of other tokens. But specifically like how much of that is BNB? I mean, that's that's a real good reason to defend BNB's price. He has a ton of it. And there's, there, there is a like kind of pride and I would say just kind of cultural type of stuff associated with keeping the price of BNB from collapsing. Um, If the price collapsed, you know, he would just view that as Binance's reign would be over. Um, And then another thing that I think about with propping up BNB price is, imagine the 300 largest BNB holders in the world. Imagine all of those people in the same room. And then what kind of room is that? (laughs) Okay. What like what kind of room is that? And so that, that's a really good reason to keep it propped up. Um, and my guess is we've just seen so much evidence of this in other places. Uh, he's probably just done it on a smaller scale here and there throughout the history of B&B. Like he has been invo- heavily involved in B&B price action forever. And, uh, you know, it's probably worked out You can imagine how well it worked out for him at the peak of BNB's price. And this time, you know, and he's managed through pullbacks before and it's worked out great. And it's like, what's the likelihood that, that this time it got away from him? You know, and, and I, so that's, that's four different factors. And then on top of that, or combined with that, you just, I remind people for people that maybe don't actively trade. B and B's price action. There's nobody that is an active trader that would tell you that that is like a functional market or like a like a real price action on B and B. Nobody, not even just crypto traders. I don't care if you trade anything liquid. You can look what, at that what do you chart. mean by
0: that, Travis? Is is it like on steep sell offs? There's like automatically a buyer, like w- w- like price floor yeah, is being defended. Yeah, I mean, it? I
1: don't. I don't want to get too far in the weeds of of relationships between open interest and funding rates and CVDS on spot or on perps and then relative to spot. Um, that's probably a little further down in the weeds. But if, if those terms ring true to folks, then you know it's worth digging into. And then I, I would just simplistically, a way that everybody could understand it, look at the dollar volume, the trading volume of BNB relative to its market cap. So that's just a numerator over a denominator. And then look at that for a bunch of other cryptos over time it has and then sorry one more thing i'll say on that is uh, also another thing that everybody can understand go look and see where bnb trades it, it is not liquid anywhere except for the binance exchange it's not liquid anywhere else it trades in tiny amounts of sizes everywhere else except for binance
0: so the the one thing that i think is interesting you bring up is is bnb in general right like there is this center of gravity around which you know, hypothetically CZ may want to support, right? The thing that I'm like, the other pushback I'd give you is it just seemed it like, why not let, like, if you know, if your idea calculus is, hey, I have to support BNB with customer assets, um, you know, let me do that. Let's see what happens. Like the end result is weird, right? Because you not only lose BNB, but you lose the exchange, right? Because you're obviously stealing money. Like, why not just let B&B, you know, fail and just, you know, just, or not fail, but just go lower and then just keep the exchange fee flow, right? Because it has to be obscene.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's less obscene than people think. Um, I mean, I think it was really, really incredibly good uh, in the bull market. I guess really, really fallen off a cliff and we don't know, we really will never know what those true numbers are because of loss trading on the exchange and you just you're just not gonna know um how profitable the thing really is. I, I think I could imagine it overall that people have been have been overestimating um, that uh, don't get me wrong it's billions. I'm not trying to say it's not billions. It's like many billions. But Sam Sam got through billions as well too. Not the same number of billions, but Sam chewed through an incredible amount of net worth in a, a short amount of time. Um, and it all came to a head and, you know, I just, it's easy for me, for me to imagine a small, it's like a small borrow that can just open up or has opened up into a much bigger borrow. And with, with the amount of commingling that we have good evidence of that was happening On the back, that is happening or was happening on the back end of Binance. Like, I don't, it's easy for me to imagine that he did not really have all that good of a handle on, you know, what the liquidity characteristics, asset liability. I don't know if people are going to say, think that that sounds crazy or not, but I can imagine that being the case. The guy, the guy does not have a good sense of, I mean, I don't know. Just read the complaints and tell me what you think about those books.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely link the complaints in the show notes. The other question I have is, I know you're making a lot of comparisons to FTX, right? And, and FTX was kind of crazy because they rose to prominence so quickly and and obviously fell so so fast, right? Finance has been around for so long, right? Like I, I'm not sure how much longer, but let's just you know, obviously years longer. Two and, a, they're two, operate-
1: and a, two and a half years, I think.
0: Okay, longer. Yeah, uh, than FTX. Okay, so you know, let's call it twice the life, maybe something. Make it easy. Um, Close to it. Yeah, so so twice the life, and at a scale that's that's much greater, right? So, I think my question for you would be, with the comparison to FTX, don't you think that you know, given Binance's size and and how hard it would be to hide, you know, malfeasance at at that scale, and the longer amount of time. For it to rise to the surface. Do you think that goes against the argument that there could be something wrong or it would have been, you know, found out by now?
1: Well, with Binance, you know, I don't think we have that good of a sense of when a hole might have opened up. I mean, I think it is, you know, I think my base case would be some amount of hole opened up on in the wake of Luna. And he, you know, may have been supporting BNB price in the wake of Luna and may have opened up a hole. I I think that timeline makes sense to me. And I think we know now in hindsight that happened, you know, the Luna collapse split this ecosystem wide open, right? And the, and then the dominoes started falling and FTX was a big domino at the end. that fell, you know, what was that? About five, five months after, after the event, six months, close to six months after, after the event. And now you fast forward and you're kind of 14 months on into the beginning of that, but you're still not a year after the FTX collapse. And you look at, you know, just that tweet I put up with the events that have happened, not conjecture, the events that have happened with Binance over the last nine months. And you just go, does this look like a, a, a situation that is seriously degrading? Like, is this, does this look like something that really is coming unwound right now? And my opinion is, it was just unequivocally, yes.
0: Yeah, no, I I definitely, I definitely understand where you're, where you're coming from. And that, I guess like the timeline, the longer timeline doesn't matter as much given.
1: Well, it's not that long. And for most of it, Binance, like it's been getting progressively worse month over month for, for nine months for Binance. Since the month after FTX collapsed, it has gotten worse every month
0: for Binance. So I guess outside of the OFAC KYC stuff, you know, potential terrorist funding. Outside of those allegations, let's just talk strictly numbers here. Like the worst case in your mind is that, Binance has been using customer assets to support BNB's price, right? Like, is that the worst case?
1: Yeah. So, P- so, so, so it's like you know, the collective, the co- you know, for example, and this isn't like a base case. This is just a hypothetical hypothetically you look at all of the stable coins that people think they have on Binance and that total is 20 billion dollars and as it turns out what CZ has is 10 billion dollars worth of stable coins and 10 billion dollars worth of BNB
0: at $220 BNB price got it yeah i mean do you have any sense of their i know that they rolled out a proof of reserves i haven't checked it lately on like the balances that they said they they say they have but i'm sure that that probably dwarfs the BNB FDV, right? So, like, I like just link link for me and like the listeners. Like, if you have multiples of the BNB price in customer assets, like, why would you have so much of a hole if you're using those a- assets to support price? Do, do you yeah. see where I'm going with this? Or yeah, yeah, I do. No, it's a
1: completely valid point, and it, it's it's my base case that those proof of reserves are are not accurate, and that that they do not have control over the wallets that they um, purport to control. Like if you go look at DeFi Llama, DeFi Llama is not looking at that situation um, accurately. As a reminder, their actual auditor quit them as a client, put out a statement that said, you cannot rely on this proof of reserves and then quit crypto. That's what Binance's proof of reserves auditors did. That's just facts. That, 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 that I'm, just, I'm just stating facts. So in order to... In order to, you know, I mean I don't know like what level of competence would that give you that these wallets that DeFi Llama has posted up there are accurate representations of assets that Binance.com controls. That's only one part of the equation, by the way. The other part of the equation, obviously, is customer deposits, which they have never said anything about. They there's no there's nothing.
0: Got it. And to your knowledge, like, did they ever roll out a new proof of reserves initiative after that auditor, you know, quit being their auditor? Or well, they have like something I'm, on, yeah. I mean,
1: they have something on uh, binance.com. You can go look at it and they're like, they've got these cute little, you know, like stickers on there telling you um, about how much BTC they have and how much tables. Get. I, I just, it, it is my base case that is not accurate.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm on the website right now. You can see, like, BTC customer net balances, binance net balances um, obviously I can't figure this out technically during the episode like how they're doing it but um, but the the gist of it is from what you're saying is that the addresses that they're posting here are to like wallets they don't control or, or wallets that are.
1: Yeah I'll give you I'll give you two examples of things that my it's my base case they they were not as they appear. The first one is hundred thirty thousand dollar Bitcoin uh, movement. Uh, in Binance. I think that was in Ju- June, I believe, right in the middle of of a shitstorm with bad stuff happening at Binance. And they called it a, a cold wallet migration. And, and it's just been sitting there. They just happened to move 130,000 Bitcoin in the middle of, of June. And then he moved seven and a half billion dollars of BNB. I believe that was in the middle of July. And uh, I believe Shang-Ping uh, tweeted and said they were distributing coins into addresses was what he tweeted about that. So it would be my base case that those are that those are um there's more behind both of those. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean that would be a a fourth of their bitcoin balance I think yeah. based on the site or a fifth or something like that. Yeah. What So what would be the reason so like let's say it's a nefarious reason why would they need to move 3 billion in bitcoin like to service collateral collateral
1: is a stable coin loan.
0: Okay. And they would want so people, they would provide this as collateral?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that yeah, that would be an example, right? Like I mean the, the credit worthiness of BNB as collateral. I mean, where do we feel like that is right now across the market, OTC market, right? Asia this is there is only go, this is going one place, right? This is Asia OTC. <laughs> Right.
0: Wait, sorry, Travis, you, you lost me there for a second. So like the, the Bitcoin uses collateral for for what exactly to support BNB or, or how yeah. to support well, BNB?
1: Well, what, I, what I mean to say about something like a Bitcoin transfer is it's much better collateral. It's collateral that people will actually take versus a big stack of BNB as collateral, which just would have okay, much less, cre- it'd be much less credit worthy, right? To, lo- to load against. So you can probably still get a loan against it. You know, seven, seven and a half billion BNB yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you get a billion for that. I don't. I
0: mean, yeah. I don't know. Who's <laughs> large? I don't know who's large enough to give CZ a loan in billions on off BNB. Like, well, t- well
1: uh, you know, tether Tether would obviously certainly take a hundred. They would take all that Bitcoin. Yeah, and it would make a
0: lot of sense that
1: nobody would want to. Um, you wouldn't want to move these because it would spook the market.
0: Yeah. So I, I mean, the so one of the you know real life examples we have to test this thesis was in December during your tweet storm, right? When Binance had that 10 billion of net withdrawals, which is a ridiculous amount of money. I think a lot of it ended up coming back into Binance like a, you know, days or weeks after. But what do you think about that? Because that seems to be like a good test of like them, you know, potentially having these customer assets and they're not actually being an issue, right?
1: So so if, if the wallets are tagged correctly, Binance has had a very large net withdrawal let's say since december a very large net withdrawal of stable coins a quite sizable withdrawal of ethereum and an increase of bitcoin i can't remember the magnitude but a, a reasonably meaningful percent not a double or anything like that but i can't remember but it's the the bitcoin balance has gone up if if that is accurate and like why would that be the case you know it would be it would be an involved it it would it would It's my base case that this is involved CZ's this is CZ's personal balance sheet. So you're you're talking about assets all over the place. And he kind of uses this as a buffer to meet custom withdrawals. What I'm describing is like in different words, like the manner of commingling, so to speak. And there's a a lot of evidence that would say that would be the case. So you could see kind of Bitcoin, you know, coming in. And then you're able to satisfy, you know, stable coin redemptions and the Bitcoin's not being sold, but you're borrowing stable coins to fulfill withdrawals against this Bitcoin as collateral and unclear about kind of who controls what Bitcoin, you know, the transfer of, of, um, cause cause they don't sign <laughs> your buyers could just sign the wallets and then and to prove that they have control, but they don't ever do that. They didn't do it on the 130k and they don't do it on they just that's not what they do but but they could do that there's not any reason why they wouldn't do that so you're
0: wait so the the 130k bitcoin transfer they you're saying like they said it was their transfer but it it was like there there definitely was 130,000 bitcoin move yes. though right like we could see yes. that on chain
1: yeah and they called that a cold, a cold wallet migration that's right but you don't know anything about the receiving wallet
0: Okay, I got you. So, so your your bear case there is that that could have gone to, a, a, you know, a lender or, or or some third party or CZ himself.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. So I guess zooming out, there's a lot going on here, right? And it's hard to figure out like what are potential end states of this. Maybe let's just start at the most optimistic scenario, the one that I would hope would would be to happen, which would be you know maybe binance gets a fine from the government and you know restructures and you know life goes on but w- what is your most optimistic case
1: yeah yeah that would be it yeah okay. I, and yeah and i also think the 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 best for price action would be they have all the assets they satisfy mass withdrawals they catch a big fine and CZ steps down that that would be that would be most bullish cuz i believe that this Binance situation is, an, is a serious impediment to large, you know, Western institutional capital. You know, very, very deep kind of pockets. Um, yeah, I
0: have, I have a later question on that for you. but So let, let's go through that scenario. Like, do you think that the government would, you know, given your read of the CFTC, the SEC, and, you know, the DOJ stuff floating around, do you think that that's, you know, a high probability outcome?
1: It's my. it's, it, it seems to me that that has been made a demand of CZ this year, as part that of that steps as, down. The, yeah, as part of the ratcheting up of the seriousness of the negotiations between the two sides, and obviously potentially filing sealed, you know, sealed indictment. Um, that they said, "Look, you got to go," and he said, "I'm not leaving." And then all of these senior executives ran for the door and there is a wall street journal article uh, whenever that was in in july when all those executives stepped down there was a wall street journal article that had i think a line in there about that and that kind of action makes a lot of sense to me that you know that's a that would be you know my my guess is if i was just going to guess about how that went down internally at binance that senior executives at binance would view this as a a really brazen move by CD by CZ to say I'm not stepping down. You you can't make me step down, and then they would just be like, now is the time to leave. And they all have coun. All of them would have counsel, and their counsel would say, now is the time to leave. And so then you just look at the exodus of senior leadership right around that same time. There was also the article the month before. There was the article in Bloomberg talking about how CZ might step down and be replaced by Richard Tang. So like there's, you, you triangulate some of these things and I don't, it seems to me like at this point, there is no, there's no way that he'll be running this company. You know, I give you, t- I give you two to one odds, 12 months from now CZ is not, is not running Binance.com.
0: I guess like to put myself in your shoes, like I don't see a scenario where if what you're saying is true and there is real fraud, I don't see why a leader would ever want to step down right because then you know every closet with every skeleton becomes you know an open an open floor plan because the people who you give control to like they're obviously not as incentivized to protect you what
1: yeah what you're describing is unstep downable right and that is that's not a good signal right
0: so what's the worst case scenario in your mind like what is the the situation yeah. where it's, it, it would
1: be identical it's identical to FTX
0: I mean on a on a larger scale though no like greater impact to markets or we don't know the size of the whole okay um and what do you think you know as a trader at Ikigai, what do you think the market is pricing in like how much of this is being priced into markets right now how would markets react to the various kind of futures we described what do you what do you think there
1: Oh, man, that's a tough call. I, I really want to be hesitant to talk about price action stuff. On
0: yeah, no, no price targets, no recommendations at all. I, I guess more so, like, do you think that the public is expecting something more negative than than what's being floated, or do you think that everybody sort of understands that something might be a mess? What's What's your view there?
1: I think there's this, this, these range of outcomes, and then different market participants are 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 putting weighting different probabilities on these different outcomes. And that has the market just acting very frozen up as you're waiting for more information to become available where the market will collectively uh, alter its likelihood of one outcome o- over another basically. And that's, I mean, the market's acting so weird right now. Everybody, Everybody knows that. Bitcoin's acting very strange. Whole market's acting very strange market can't cannot get excited about good news market can't get excited about this etf situation the etf and binance situations these are intimately intertwined because people are looking at the allegations um against binance.com and they're going this is a very easy out for the sec to deny a spot bitcoin etf approval because they can just come back on the on the grayscale uh, gbtc deal and say um, on, the, on the court ruling and say uh, the spot market is manipulated it's more manip- we didn't know it was this manipulated when we approved the, um, the Bitcoin futures ETF new facts have come to light it's, it's easy to imagine that and so the, the market is just in this wait mode right now and
0: what you're saying is true though right like one of the paths for the SEC would be to say you know hey I know we approved this Bitcoin futures product We were actually wrong. We're going to rethink the entire thing. I look. I personally don't think that's going to happen, right? Because they open themselves up to lawsuits and just being sort of ridiculed. But I, I am open to the idea that CZ and Binance is linked to the ETF side of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You could imagine that. So I mean, I'm not. I'm not even. I don't know how that thing's going to go down. I really don't. I feel it feels like a coin flip. At this point, I definitely pay, I know we're we're not talking about the ETF on this thing, but I definitely pay a lot of attention to that too. And it's just hard to get a good read on the likelihood of, you know, basically GBTC being converted into a spot Bitcoin ETF and then that opening the door for all the other approvals, you know, and that happening. I mean, we know that the SEC has to respond by by the middle of uh, October and it really feels like a coin flip to me. Um,
0: so, a a smart person in Delphi, I'm not sure if they want me to share their name, so I won't, but they commented that, um, you know, a spot Bitcoin ETF would, would most help CZ, right? I agree with that. So, do, do you think that regulators are that cynical, though? Would they say, like, we don't want to help this guy? We want to, you know, disprove this until we get him? Or?
1: No, I wouldn't. They wouldn't take that approach and they wouldn't have to. The approach they they could take and would, that would make sense is the one I just laid out, right? Or you just go, you you pick up the CFTC report and you go 300 trading accounts are in this report. We didn't know about those when we approved the Bitcoin futures ETF and we know about them now. We can't approve a spot Bitcoin ETF. And then maybe they punt it back to the judge and they say, judge, do you want us to take down Bitto? Because that's been part of the, the calculus of this thing that people are looking at it and they're going, well, if they denied it again, people think they would have to delist the, the Bitcoin spot future ETFs. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, sorry, the Bitcoin future ETFs that have already been approved and, and are trading. You know, I, I don't, I don't have a view on the the kind of likelihood of that. But it, it is very easy to imagine Binance gets hammered by the DOJ, and their significance in this market uh, is diminished a lot or they're removed from this market entirely and we get a spot bitcoin etf like right on the back of that that's very easy to imagine that would make a lot of sense it's like cheng ping out larry fink in very that would be a wild, wild volatile, volatile very, market yeah, yeah. incredibly <laughs> volatile and you know in like you know bitcoin could go down a lot on the collapse depending on how that went down it, it may not go down that much i really and i, I don't want to get into like a lot of price action stuff, but I mean, I'll just say, you know, Chang Ping out, Larry Fink in—that is very bullish.
0: How up to speed do you think the the SEC and Larry Fink and Black and TradFi and everybody is on Binance and CZ? Like, like, do you actually think that like a Larry Fink would? would I, I don't really know much about him, but like, do you actually think that like the powers that be in the TradFi world would concoct that sort of a plan? Like, am I naive or,
1: yeah? Yeah, I mean this is pure conjecture, but it would be my base case that Larry Fink knows what's going to happen with Binance and the Department of Justice.
0: <laughs> yeah. They they know, I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, I mean BlackRock is is an unofficial arm of the US government. That's not hyperbole. <laughs> That's not hyperbole. That is not I mean, look at the relationship between BlackRock and the US government and it's just a it's part of government.
0: Yeah. No, that is that is crazy. So what are you looking for over the next couple of weeks, couple of months, like What would be your advice to people who, you know, agree with you? What would be your, yeah, like what are what are next steps? Like what what do you want to leave people with in terms of like action or in terms of to think about or in terms of things to look for?
1: Yeah, yeah, a few things. Um, One, if you have assets on binance.com, take them off. Just I'm urging you, take them off. Like better safe than sorry. There's no downside for taking them off. Um, and this is coming from a guy that lost an incredible amount on FTX. And my my motivation for this is been uh, very much driven by just trying to help people avoid the painful process that I ju- that I just went through. that that's a big part of it. that's that's the micro part of it, the like person to person part of it. And then the macro is like for the good of the ecosystem, this ecosystem would be, much better off if Cheng Ping was not the most powerful person uh and it would be much better off if if binance's role and significance was diminished or they were removed entirely from from the market like in terms of this technology making the world a better place that mission would be much better off without this entity and without this person and that 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 has that is my two motivations for how public I have, I have been in this I'm not short BNB I haven't been I haven't been short BNB I'm not you shouldn't short BNB I don't I do not know what's going to happen with BNB <laughs> you can barely short it anywhere else anyways it's just not like you know again not financial advice but I'm not short it and you shouldn't short it
0: either and no I I I definitely agree with you agree <laughs> with you there um So, Travis, one, I I mean, I may have asked you this in the beginning of the episode, but I want to ask you again after our conversation, like you were negatively impacted, sadly, by FTX. Right. And I'm I'm always like as a host, I'm trying to be as neutral as possible in this episode. Right. I'm trying to figure out, you know, is this Travis trying to to get back at Sam and and punch CZ or or is this, you know, real advice? And I I think if I put myself in your shoes, basically, your answer is just sort of look at my my tweet storm and, and all the bullets and kind of make up your own mind, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Which, is, you know, you always want to lead with facts in situations like this. And, you know, if you want to layer on conjecture on top of that, which I have done plenty of today in this conversation, and I just want to be clear, there's facts and they're on this tweet that went viral yesterday. And then there's, you know, conjecture about why things might have happened or what may happen in the future, and it's all—it's purely that. It's—it's it's just conjecture. Um, and
0: Travis, what like if CZ is listening to this, and he, you know, instead of getting into like a public argument or, or a fight or a scrap or anything like that, what could he do that would, you know, quell your fears? is, is it a more legitimate proof of reserve attestation? Is it, like, what would it be that? Would, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, a, a,
1: le- a legitimate. I mean, actual provable um, proof of reserves that matches up with with customer deposits liabilities. That would be that would be an, an enormous step.
0: And just taking that a step further, like given you know his wealth, Binance's role, and, and obvious security concerns, like is there a way that you think he'll be okay doing that without sacrificing his own security or the, or the risk of the assets or anything like that?
1: In this ecosystem, we need to demand that level of transparency. We, we must, we must, because when you look at the track record of us not demanding that level of transparency, the, the resulting events have been so damaging, not just over the last 18 months, over the last decade, plus they have been so damaging that it is, uh, it's failing for us as an ecosystem. It's not working. So you, you, you have to demand a higher level of transparency, especially from the most powerful person and the most powerful entity in the whole thing, them more yeah. than anyone else. We do, we we do deserve that, Tommy.
0: Like like no, we did. You, you, you and I do. have
1: poured blood, sweat, tears, thousands of hours, sacrifice, all kinds of shit, for the sake of this magic internet money shit, and we deserve to have that level of transparency to try and maximize the likelihood. That this technology goes and fulfills its potential to make the world a better place.
0: That's a hell of a line, Travis. I I definitely definitely agree with you. Um, the level of transparency is required, and and we should and we should demand it. I'm glad you're demanding it. Right, it's important. Uh, Travis, I have one more question for you. Uh, a bit of a personal one, but I think you can offer founders like a crazy unique level of insight to help them when they hit bad situations, like you've not only recovered from FTX, but I mean, you're, you're on this podcast, like you're doing well, the funds, you know, crushing, like what is your advice to founders or, or people in life to just get past something like that? Like, is it just fucking bad and it's a grind or like just, yeah, what, what, is, what was your kind of process there? Because it clearly worked.
1: Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Uh, I didn't know you were going to ask that one, but I'm glad you did. One, the fun <laughs> the fund's not crushing. I wanna be I want to be very clear there. My fund lost an enormous amount in FTX bankruptcy. I lost a lot of other people's money, lost a lot of my own money. Um it looks like we're gonna make it out the other side of this thing, but uh, you know, not without a um just to be frank, not without a level of pain that I think it's fair to say most people will not experience in their career.
0: Um Damn, that's heavy. But I, I get it.
1: And it's, you know, and I, you know what, hand to God, I feel great right now. I really, I really do feel great right now. I'm I'm excited about the future, even though there's uncertainty around, you know, what the future exactly might hold. I'm excited about the future. I am, um, I feel more in alignment with my purpose in the sense that, you know, for as long as I'm still in crypto, you're going to hear me be loud like this about things that need to be loud about and just being in a central role, uh, being, a, you know, in a, in, in a, you know, a central part in that role in this Binance situation, you know, for better or for worse, I'm, I'm kind of one of the faces of this um, situation. It It is satisfying in a way that putting a lot of money in your bank account can never be, can, can never be. And I think, a couple, a couple things I would just say on, you know, bad shit happens in life. Um, uh, <laughs> my, my faith is a, is a, a real big part of my life it has been for a long time. The, the nature of my faith, like the relationship that I have to God is evolved a lot over my lifetime. Um, and I'm not going to preach about, you know, just, you know, this is, you know, different conversation about the nature of God that we're not going to do today. What I mean, but like it. Has worked incredibly well for me, and I would strongly recommend it to anybody. Um, whatever that journey might end up looking like for you, and if people want to talk more about that, I, I would love to talk more one on one about that. And then you need to take care of your of of your physical and your mental health. Um, you need to the the physical are, part of those it. Those are big. I'm ins- no, it-
0: Travis. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're sharing all this. And the the only the only thing I would not nitpick, but be specific on with with your advice is like. I think everything you're saying is good when something bad happens to you and you have to react i don't necessarily think like let's call it founders or investors or whatever should like stick out a bad situation like in hopes that that it will just get better right like like if people are going through something that's bad and they, they have um you know different opportunities they could pursue they could shut it down they can go do something else they could partner with somebody like they should go do that right but i think everything you're saying from like a negative reactionary like something that happens directly to you versus like sitting out a bad situation makes makes a lot of sense
1: i completely i mean you that's a great point when you get into moments of life like that uh being on being able to be honest with yourself is is crucially important it's very very important that you can be clear-headed and honest with your thoughts with yourself with your business partners with your investors that clarity for me to decide what to do in those situations comes from purpose. You know, and purpose can be different things for different people. but um, the clarity should come from from the emotion of purpose.
0: Travis, you've been on a long journey, man, and it's it's great to have you on and after all these years and to hear your thoughts. Um, I hope I was as neutral as possible, but you know, I mentioned this to you, but CZ or anyone from binance is welcome to come on. Um, and I hope, uh, I hope people get something out of this.
1: Thanks for having me on Tommy. I appreciate the conversation.